Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen, amen, amen. May you have a seat? How are we doing this morning? Oh, you had an extra hour and that's it? All right, that's better. That's better. Okay, I'll, I'll let the laughter be your wake-up call. That's fine. Um, hey, before we get going, I do want to thank you for those of you who prayed last week. I said, hey, can you pray? We need a few more people to step up on our Wednesday night children's ministry. Um, and uh, we've had some people come forward. Still could use some help, but it's really been great to see answered prayer that quickly. Um, and uh, Lauren, our children's director, said, hey, that worked. Why don't you plug something else? So um, <clears throat> if you could be praying for... Um, our, uh, our Sunday morning children's church, a bunch of our kids just went down. Uh, we've grown. Both our 9 and our 11 uh, have grown with lots more kids, which we love, but we could use some help there too. I know that's not everybody's gift, so I'm not necessarily saying that, but if you can at least pray that God would, would provide. Um, that would be amazing uh, to help our kids because we love them and uh, they don't want to sit and listen to me, that's for sure. So uh, um, it, we've been going through these sections of, of Leviticus I know if you're a guest this week, you're like, what kind of crazy church does that? This one, right? Um, and, and so in this section, as we look at the moral law, uh, God know, knew something about his people. As they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, as he's giving them these instructions, he knew something about them. And guess what? He knows the same thing about us. And that is this. And this is the question, right? Who uh, and what does our lives reflect as we live, Right? Every one of us kind of reflect something, how we go about our day-to-day life. And so I have a couple of mirrors that uh, uh, I'll try not to zap any of you. Last night I I reflected some light and seared some eyes, so I'll try not to, all right? But this, for those of you who don't have the greatest eyes like me, um, this just says culture, right? And he knew his people were going to be constantly drawn into being reflecting, right, the, their lives reflect, and I'll do that, so hopefully that doesn't get anybody, um, and and. and I'm going to be reflected uh, by culture, the pull of this is the norms of culture, the practices of culture, religion of culture, the philosophy of culture, right? And, and, that, and that's really, really, really almost impossible without God's grace to not have our lives reflect culture. But God says, no, 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 I want you to reflect something else. Much bigger mirror for this one. Ready? I couldn't believe how, how heavy this one was. Um, this one, we'll just lean here. This just simply says God's character, right? Some of you are in the mirror there. You're in. I don't know. Sorry about the rest of you. You're not, right? No, you can move over. No, it's fine. But th- this is just, just I want you to kind of have a visual. What I, I think the big idea with all of these laws we're going to see in these three chapters, that, that the pull is constant for us to reflect our lives by culture. But God says, I got something far greater for you to reflect my heart, how I design things in my character, right? And so the idea is we are called out. When you're God's people, you're called to be different, right? We've seen in this series, God is holy. So therefore, we are to be holy. That just simply means to be set apart, which means what? Different than you're going to see. And that's hard. Even people who say, I'm different, they try to be different than everyone else, they get a group of other people to be different together, right? Because we don't like being different. I don't either, right? It's weird, and it, people look at you funny or think they, they call you things. They don't like you, right? But that's what God has called us. I want you to be like I am, not like the culture. For them, it was Egypt and the Canaanites. For us, it's our culture. 
Nothing's changed. And so that's the question we're going to ask as we look at this section with a lot of different laws and rules together. That's the big idea. Who are we reflecting? Let's pray together as we come before his word. Lord, I thank you that, that uh, we've just had such an amazing time already celebrating you, your love and grace through song and prayer. Thank you for Greg as he led us through the beautiful Lord's Supper, just remembering what you've done for us and, and, and just with this series that your blood has cleansed us and sanctified us. And so I pray that you would continue that um, in this time together. You know where our, our hearts are. You know who each person in this room is and what we need. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from um, the evil one who would seek to rob and destroy. And instead, we would just feel, not just know, but feel your presence with us as we look to your truth. Sometimes beautiful truth, sometimes hard truth. We need it from you, God, in a culture that does not value your truth. We do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Okay, so uh, this, if, if you've uh, been with us, you know that we, we, we have a reading guide out on the desk. A lot of you have grabbed that. If you still want one, you can. That's just because we, we are doing one message, just eight messages on each section. And so we can't, I've got to summarize large portions, right, because we're just not going to get to every, we'd be in Leviticus for three years and we'd have a church of four, all right? Me and my family, that's four people, that'd be great. Uh, maybe they'd even leave, who knows? So, uh, so we want to do that, but we just really wanted to look at the big ideas. And so um, we, we, we've gotten, we've kind of gone through, and last week the Day of Atonement, sort of the, the middle section of everything, right? And this uh, section is called the Moral Law, all right? It's this uh, chapters 18 to 20. It's a little different. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we had sort of the, the, the when people are ritually unclean, things like bodily fluids and foods and things like that, that we said those weren't sinful things, those were unclean, and it was different, and we talked about that. But we also talked about how Christ declared all, all foods clean, and because of Christ, we are no longer ritually unclean. But now we have these moral laws. These are all about sin, right? These are about the things that um, are still sin. And so people will ask, well, are, if, if the ritual uncleanness isn't for us as Christians, what about the, the moral things? And there's some aspects that you'll read in these three chapters that are, that are not for us today. Like in chapter 20, it, it gives uh, a lot of the punishments. If you break these laws and you do these things, right? And, and they were a theocracy, which just simply means they were a nation literally under God and his law. That's not us, right? We live in America where less than half of people even go to church, let alone would call themselves Bible-believing Christians. So we, we're not going to go out and, and, and start punishing people for breaking God's moral law. That's just not going to happen, right? So there are some things that were very specific for their context of Israel and their people. But overall, as we have already said, is that God's morals, the laws that he's given, they reflect his character. And his character never changes, right? Never changes. And so it, it's something that we are still called out to be holy and reflect his character. And in these, uh, uh, these chapters, you have a lot, if you read them, you're like, wow, like uh, some of this stuff, what is he saying here, you know? And, and these are not all of the law, but they're very specific because he knows something, that their culture, where they came from, where they're going, uh, they did these things. They practiced these things. They celebrated these things. And he's like, not you, right? And so you see in chapter 18, 
right, that God gives what we could call at least part of his ethics on sex, which I know gets everyone's attention. What, did he just say sex? We know that sex sells, right? Anytime I do uh, in my online program called Ask, anytime someone asks something about sex, it gets double the views. Sometimes I think maybe I should make up questions just about sex, just so we get people to watch, but that wouldn't be uh, really good. But it, it, it does. We know how powerful that topic is. We just do. It's embarrassing at times. I don't really want to talk about it, but it's, it gets everybody's attention. And, it, and, and that's why God talks so much about it, because he, it's his beautiful, wonderful gift, but for, for very specific context. A marriage where a husband and a wife are married together, and it's literally a physical expression of their trust, their commitment, and their love and intimacy towards each other in all different ways, and that is what it's meant to be. But God also knew the culture would celebrate in all kinds of ways that are unhealthy and bring damage and brokenness. That's why we often uh, compare it to fire, right? Fire, you need it, heats your home, cooks your food, you'd be gone without it. But if you've ever been in a building that's on fire, or know someone who has, when fire is out of its context, it can burn your life to the ground. And so, so a lot of the ethics on uh, all kinds of different ways that he says, the culture does that, you're not to, right? And, and, he, and, and for God's law, sex and marriage tend to go together, right? It's very different than our culture. That, that, so when you see that, you're also like, so, so it makes sense, right? So you read that and you're like, okay, don't uh, have sex or marry your mother. That, that seems like a good law, right? So there's stuff like that in there. And others as well, as we'll, we'll touch on in a little bit. You also have, um, so in, in chapter 19, to really to sum it up, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And we'll talk about that as well. Lots of rules that reflect the Ten Commandments and the law and just how we're to treat each other. Not like the culture treats each other, but if we're reflecting God's character, how do I treat you? Even if I don't like you. Or you don't like me. How do I treat you? How does, how does God treat people? And how does uh, our lives reflect that? He goes on and, 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 and talks about a lot of the cultural practices of the occult that, that are very prevalent in our culture. Things like contacting the dead and spirits and things that we see today. Tarot card reading, palm reading, all that stuff. God would say, no, 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 that's not for you. That's wickedness. Don't do that, right? So you see a lot of that. In chapter 20, again, a lot of what are the punishments for them in their context. But I, I really didn't want to, we, we can't read through all those, can't go through all of those. I want you to see the big idea, and that's what these mirrors are about, right? The, 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 and, and to do that, I, I just want to give you a couple of spots throughout this section, 18, 19, and 20. And I want to see, I want to help you see what, um, really what I think God is saying to them overall, right? And, and it starts in, in Leviticus 18, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. That phrase is so important, not just the scripture, but this section, six times, I'm the Lord your God, 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 right? Over and over again. Well, what does he mean by that? He's saying this moral law, I'm telling you these things because I'm the Lord your God. And, and we tend to use those two words interchangeably, the Lord, God, right? But they're two very different words. And in the Hebrew, right, God is I am Elohim. Elohim just means I am God over everything. I created everything, whether you're an atheist and agnostic, it doesn't matter. He's your God, 
right? He's, you can pretend he's not. He's God, right? I'm God over everyone, every people groups, everyone. I'm Elohim. But he says more than that. I am not just Elohim. I am the Lord, which is Yahweh. I am Yahweh Elohim to you. That's a personal name, right? So what he's saying is, here's why I'm giving you my character, my design, who I am, what I want you to reflect, not culture, this, because I am Yahweh Elohim to you. I've called you out, I've chosen you, I've redeemed you, I've saved you from Egypt. I am your God, I'm present with you in the tabernacle. That's why I want more for you. I want you to understand how I meant life to be, to be satisfied and fulfilled, right? He keeps going in verse three and four. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. Here it is again. Why? Because I am Yahweh, Elohim. I am the Lord, your God. I'm yours, and I want you to be mine. And so what he's saying is, is I, want, I, I don't want you to walk. Right? Remember when we see in the Bible, walk? That's just a metaphor for living your life, right? Your choices, how you do relationships with people, how you do marriage, how you do sex, how you, uh, like, how you pray, how you worship, right? how you walk every day, how you do work, what you do with your money. All of those things is walking through life. And he says, I don't want you to do that, what you were, you, you were uh, once immersed in Egyptian culture, because that's where he saved them out of, right? They're sort of in this in-between state. Used to live in Egypt, right? Where that's the only thing they knew in, in that culture, Egypt. And he's saying, don't do it the way they did it. But I got something better for you. He says, oh, by the way, the land that I have you going, there's going to be a lot of different uh, cultures and subcultures there in, the, in Canaan. Don't let that impact your life, the way they do uh, money and sex and marriage and, and all that. No, no, no. I want you to walk in my statutes. I want you to walk in my rules because I'm the Lord your God. In um, chapter 19, skipping ahead, I want you to see this, also verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy. Why? For I, the Lord your God, Elohim, Yahweh, your God, I'm holy. I want you to be like me. I want you to be like your, your father. I want you to be like your God who loves you and saves you. I got so much better for you. Be holy. Be different. Be set apart. Right? Be, be different. I'm calling you, you out to that. To, to, to be holy. It's kind of like, um, have you ever, maybe if you, uh, you say a father and, and, a, and, a, and his wife, they, they have children and they have a son and the son begins to grow up and begins to look exactly like dad. Have you ever seen that? Spitting image. Same hair, same facial structure, same height. Same, and everyone says like, oh, he's a little mini me to you, right? And, and usually dads are like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. The son? Ugh. It could be worse. You could look like your mom, right? But no. And, and, and you're like, oh. And so just imagine this. They're like, I don't want to look anything like my dad. That's so embarrassing, right? So grow my hair really long, dress completely different, try to talk different, like everything. Because I don't want people saying I look like my dad. It feels like that's what God's people do sometimes, right? You look just like your father, but it's different, right? It's, it's, it's odd. and ah, No, 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 no. I, I, I'm glad he's my father, and I'll take the good gifts that he gives me. But I don't want to look just like him. But God says, no, no, be different. 
look like me. Look like me. And then to, take our, to continue our tour, and this time in, in chapter 20, right, it says this. You shall be holy to me. There it is again. Why? For I, the Lord, am holy. And I've separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. This is the purpose of all these laws from 18 and 20 and really every other law you see that he gives his people. To be holy, to be different, to be set apart, to reflect the character of God. Right? So it is a call to God's people in Israel as they um, are gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai. But it's also a call to us as Christians, if that's you. We're called to reflect the character of God, not the character of culture. Right? For them, don't be like the Egyptians or the Canaanites. But see, God hasn't changed, and we are also called to be holy. You see, and, and, and not, like, God is not a buffet. And too many churches, even today, treat them that way. I like that, I'm going to leave that. That's not for me. Right? And, and we all have that line. They did too. If you read ahead in many chapters of Israelites' history, they very, very rarely fully reflected God's character, and they constantly were pulled into culture. Their gods, their ways, the way they do life. That's why God was warning them. Right? So, so they, we all have, let me just grab this uh, piece of tape. We all have this kind of line, and, and it might be a little bit different depending on, on who you are. And, and this line represents where we're like, whoa, 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 God, I don't think so. Like, no, 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 right? Behind the lines, like, oh, I'm good with that one, right? I'm, I'm good. Like, this, this week when I was preparing, I was taking a little bit of break, and I was walking past Pastor Bob's office here, and I popped in, like I usually do, unwanted, um, and I said, Bob, there's a lot in this section this week. I think what the people really need is a full sermon on bestiality, Kids, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents over lunch. I'm not, I'm not going to give that to you. And he was like, get out, all right? I'm not going to be in church this weekend, right? And, and, but, but, you know, it's in there. It's in chapter 18, right? So don't do that, right? I have a feeling if I did an anonymous survey amongst the people here and even went outside to people who don't care about church or anything like that, and we'd all be here being like, yeah, that's a pretty good law, I think. I can get on board with that one. Right? There might, eventually you're going to get to some people who are like, I don't know. You know you, that's where their line is. They don't like that. Right? You, you'll get there. But most of us are behind the line. Another thing that's in chapter 18 is uh, reflecting God's character. Do not commit adultery. Right? I would guessing if I did that survey, maybe 100%, but close to it would also say, I think that's a good law. Adultery, that's, that's not good. Right? But there might be a few that say, ah, oh, there could be some situations, right? It might be, and certainly if you did, you, you, you put it out to everyone, whether they're churched or not, you'd get some people to say, well, what if your marriage is cold, or what if like this or that, and there's scenarios where I'm, I'm not really sure. I buy that, right? But most of us would probably be okay with that. But the line eventually comes. The line where culture would say, you're terrible. Leviticus 18, very famously, also has in there part of God's character, part of God's law, is that he calls homosexuality an abomination. Some of you were hoping I'd skip over that one because of that one immediately. I bet if I did a, a survey here, the people say, I don't, that, that'd be my line. I, I just feel, and we'd have reasons, we'd have conversation over that. I've had them, many of them, right? And if certainly if you put it out there, the vast majority would be like, no, 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 that, no way. Because culture, like, we think we're, we're woke and, and, and better than it used to be. Like, 
that was widely, all these things were widely celebrated in Egyptian and Canaanite culture. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And so that a lot of times is, is the, the line. Is, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. So whatever it might be for us, like, like I, 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 don't want, I want to treat God more as an old country buffet. They still exist. I haven't been to one in a while, right? Where you can go and you can fill your plate up with what you like and leave what you don't. And too many churches do that. Like, ah, too many Christians do that. It's like, God's like, you know, here's what God never does. Hey, Jamie, I know there's some things you're struggling with that I said. Um, let's go to Starbucks. We'll get a, uh, you know, a, a, a grande pumpkin spice, slim, extra whatever uh, latte, and we'll sit down. I'm God, and even I probably can't afford it, but I will try, right? And we'll sit down, and we'll, let me just kind of explain some things to you. Just hear me out. Hear me out. Like, God just doesn't do that because he's God. Like, for some reason, especially the American spirit, is we, we don't agree and therefore it's not true. It's like, well, that's just ridiculous, right? It, either you, God's like, either you trust my design for these things, either you trust my heart and character, my truth, or you don't. But which is it going to be? I'm not going to, like, I'm not running for office. I'm not asking for your vote and I'm certainly, Jamie, not asking for your opinion, right? I, I, I'm just giving it to you. What is best and safe and good for your life? That's what his law does, right? That's what it does. But here's what we do when we come to this line. And we've, I've done it too I, over different things over my life. We're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm going to pretend that one doesn't even exist. Here's what, what, we, what we're saying without really saying it is I'd make a better God. Aren't you? God, nah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I know a little bit better in that area. You're saying you're God. Nobody would actually say it like that. Although we are kind of come to the, in our culture, we actually have a whole spirituality system that, that's built around, we're all God. We're all got pieces of God in us, right? You've probably heard this, maybe you've even believed it. But inside, you know, it's such a dumb idea. Like, like, let me just ask you this. Anyone here, raise your hand. Have you ever walked into a room, stopped, and said, why did I come in here? Anyone? And you want to be God? I don't, I'm sorry, no, no offense, I don't want God to not know why he walked into a room. Right? Anyone here ever go to sleep? This happened to me literally today. I felt pretty good, got in bed, I woke up in the morning and go, oh, what did I do, pull a muscle sleeping? Some of you young guys are like, no, not me, right? You'll get there, right? We've been there. Like, and we're going to be God, right? It's like, we all know it's a dumb idea to say, God, I, I think I know better in this area, but we all are prone to doing it. And that's why God gave these very specific laws, because he knew we're prone to do and accept things that everyone around us does and accept. And he says, but I've called you to be holy, right? I've called you to be different, right? In in um, chapter 18, while we're dealing with super controversial topics, let's, let's just do it. Um, some of you just looked up. Okay, all right. In there, he says, do not sacrifice your children to the God of Molech. Everyone's like, that's not very controversial, right? I can, I can get on board with that. Like, take my baby and actually put it into a burning idol, which is what they would do, placing their child as a sacrifice to the God of Molech. Their cultures did that, and he knew they'd be prone to doing that. Now, we might say, oh, that's crazy. They must have really been, been stupid or, or just like what a crazy culture. 
And yet, let's be honest, for decades now, we have sacrificed unborn children to the God of comfort and convenience as a culture. And it's widely, widely accepted. And I, I just want, I want to be really careful. I even thought about not saying this, and here's why. If, if you're typically with us, you know I do not casually bring up these topics very often. It's not because I don't like saying hard things. We often do that. It's because I know, statistically speaking, I know that there are several people in this room who have either participated or uh, by having an abortion or pushing someone into it, and I've seen firsthand the tremendous shame and damage that causes. And I am not ever here to add to your shame. It's not why I'm up here, to make you feel even deeper brokenness about it. Why I bring it up is all of those broken things, whether it be abortion or something sexually that we've done or it's been done to us that's caused such a wake of shattering, such a desperate shame, all of it brings us to the foot of the cross. Like when you look at this law and you say, I can't do it, that's beautiful. Because you realize you need a savior. Like that's what the cross is all about. This is where what is unforgiven becomes forgiven. This is where something that's unrighteous becomes righteous. This is where, where, where I was so deep in shame I could never get out that he not only takes your shame, but he gives you his righteousness. The great exchange, Luther called it. The cross. So the law, the first thing it does is, is all of us just say, I can't. I need a savior. I can't be God. I can't do it. Jesus says, yes, I've done it for you. And that's why we're invited into this relationship. Not, not to become a church-going moralist who, who, who's trying to earn his, her way into heaven. It's to trust in, the, in Christ. The, the, the foot of the, the, the cross, we say all the time, it's level. Whatever it is you've struggled with or done can be forgiven because of Christ. And I know people will, will uh, they've, they've said this to me before, like these certain topics, like, like, well, you don't struggle with those. You don't understand. It's really not fair. The beautiful thing about the law as you read through it is it blasts us all out of the water, right? Like, have you ever played the game where you just look at it and say, all right, what have I done or not done? Like a checkbox? Just do it with the Ten Commandments. All right, anyone here ever lied? Go ahead, raise your hand. Anyone? You're liars. Right? Anyone ever cheat anyone? Yup, right? How about this one? Uh, how many of you have always, your whole life, honored your mother and father? Some of our kids are like, mm, better not raise my hand there. Yeah, you, d- you broke that by the time you were three, you viper in a diaper. Right? Come on. So, so we, whatever it is, and even if you're like, yeah, but Jamie, I, I've never committed adultery or murdered anyone. I got that. So Jesus came along and said, you even look at a woman that's not your wife with lust, committed adultery, and if you even think uh, you know, that, that you're something bad about your brother that you've murdered him in your heart. Shoot. I'm out, right? All of it. It's there. It's God's character. It doesn't change, but it shows us we need a Savior. That's what the gospel is, right? That you can come to Christ, right? And what happens is, because Israel was constantly screwing it up, just like we do, but the thing is, is now we're given the Holy Spirit when you come to Christ, And now you have the power to more and more, not perfectly in this life, more and more reflect God's character, be set apart, be holy, despite what culture might say, despite how culture might challenge you, 
right? That, that God has made a way where there is no way to be different, to be holy. So the law shows us we need a savior, but the law also shows us what we more and more want to reflect as well. And what, here's the way I want us to finish. There's one part of this that I didn't want to let go, and that's mostly uh, covered in chapter 19. And, and it won't be long, but it's just kind of taking the temperature of how things are right now in our culture. Because God's character, right? God's character is all about loving our neighbor, right? And, and if you grew up in Sunday school, you know this, right? Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that one. Thank God. He's not talking about sex anymore. But this one, see, what we try to do is say, okay, God, I could try that, but who's my neighbor? And that question tries to limit who our neighbor is. So let's just look quickly uh, in, in chapter 19. It says this. This is God's character, okay? That, that we are to, if you're in Christ, right, the first step is come to Christ. Then here's to be holy, to, to reflect this, right? This part of his, his character. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. That's the traveler, right? Someone who's foreign. There it is again. Why? I am Yahweh, Elohim, the Lord your God. What's he saying about his character there? Right? I know most of us here aren't farmers. There's a few. You kind of get that, but he's like, oh, that's not for me. No, no, no. What's the moral principle behind this? Is when God has given you generously, be generous to those who don't have. Right? Don't bi- build bigger barns. Don't take every little thing and you got to pay for that, son. No. Be generous. Why? Because think about how generous God has been to you. Everything good you have comes from God. And if you ever start believing your own hype, stare at the cross for a little while and realize the grace God's given you. He says, that's how I want you to reflect to others, to those who are less than, those who don't have, those who are poor. He keeps going in that that section. He says, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall, verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. That just means um, typically in their culture you got paid at the end of the day. Right? It wasn't like a bi-weekly paycheck. And if you didn't get that, it probably wouldn't even feed your family. Right? It's like don't hold it back to the morning. Give what you owe. Right? Be fair. Be generous. Think about the people that are around you. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall, not, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Right? The Lord is just. He's fair. He's not a, a God who's unfair or treats people unfairly. He says, I treat people whether you're poor, you're great, whatever you are in culture, you're treated with fairness. You're not slandered. You're not ridiculed. You're not put a stumbling block in front of. That's my character. He continues. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. And here um, it is summed up. You ever heard this one before? 
sums it all up. God's character. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right? It sums it up. God is a generous, loving God, and he wants us to reflect that wherever we are, to love our neighbor. Now, this probably sounds more familiar to you because Jesus dealt with this, didn't he? There was this guy, he was a very devout Jewish man, and he came to Jesus, and he was talking to him about eternal life. How do I get there? What do I got to do? And Jesus plays this game for a while, right? And he, and, and, and he says, well, um, he, he says, well you, you know the law, right? You've, you've read Leviticus, right? So what does it say there, right? And so the guy says to, um, to Jesus, he answered in Luke, this is a, in Luke chapter 10, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That, that, that basically sums up the law. Like, put God first, love him, worship him, follow him, right? And, and so doing, reflecting his character, you love your neighbor as yourself. You sum up the law. And so Jesus is like, A on the test, man. Go do that. But he knew, as we all know, there was an issue with this guy. And it said, but he wanted to justify himself. Don't we love to justify ourselves? But here's why I think my neighbor's really this. Not him or her. And Jesus knew this was the whole issue. So he says to Jesus, okay, who's my neighbor? Because this is a devout Jew. He, he, if you're another devout Jew, I can, I can get on board, right? You're someone who you know, goes to church. You're someone who's got his life cleaned up. You're kind of like me. You kind of agree with my, what I agree with. Like, I can love you. But a foreigner, someone who I disagree with, different political party, <gasps> or for him, the worst of the worst would be a Samaritan. They hated, they hated each other. Samaritans hated Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. They're like, that's definitely not his neighbor in his very limited definition. And so he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus does what Jesus loves to do. He tells a story. It's a familiar story to us now, but it wouldn't have been to him. This is a, so Jesus just says, okay, this guy is wandering down a pretty desolate road, and robbers jump out. They take everything they got, and they beat him to an inch of his life. He's going to lie there. He's just going to bleed out and die. Pretty dramatic situation. And Jesus says, okay, so uh, then all of a sudden a priest, like the most respected in their society, right, a priest, he comes by. Ooh, I'm going to be unclean. Goes to the other side and walks past Right? He says, second, a Levite comes by. They're the ones you've, we've been learning in Leviticus. They're the ones who took care of the tabernacle, all that. Another very high respected positions in their culture. He says, a Levite comes. Ooh, what if he dies on my arms? I'll be unclean. I won't be able to go to synagogue, right? I won't be able to offer my sacrifice. He says, walk past. But then a third guy came. A Samaritan. <gasps> and he stopped took care of him, brought him to an inn, paid his medical bills. That would be a modern example. It would be like we would bring him to a hospital and make sure you pay for every last hospital bill that that person is okay. The hero of the story is the Samaritan. And then he says to the guy, who do you think was the better neighbor? And he didn't want to say the word Samaritan, so he didn't, right? I'm not going to let that word come off my lips. He says, well, I suppose the guy who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, yeah, go be like him. Go be like him. Getting at the heart that all of us, all of us, want to reflect culture. And right now is a prime example. This is why I wanted to spotlight it. 
If I don't agree with you, I can hammer you. I can hammer you online. I can hammer you to your face, right? We don't agree. Therefore, I don't want to spend time with you. God certainly isn't calling me to love you. And Jesus is saying, uh, excuse me, who's your neighbor? Right? The best way to overcome the oddities of being holy in a culture that isn't is to live and show the love and compassion that God does for the poor and the broken and the hurting and those who are different than us and the foreigner and the illegal alien and anyone else you might agree with or disagree with, a different political party or different whatever it is. They just got out of prison. They're, what, they're different than me. They are my neighbor. And God so loved you, he sent his only son to die for you. And therefore, he says, be like me. Stop growing your hair out so you don't look like me. Stop hiding the fact that I'm your father. And dress up like me. And and, and reflect me in your life. Because we have neighbors everywhere we go. And we have an opportunity to be holy and reflect who God is to them. What an opportunity. You know the opportunity we have right now? Just be kind to people, you won. Just not treat them with disrespect, and you won. In comparison to what we're seeing right now, angry, everyone, just don't be that. Man, you've won. You are being a neighbor. Actually encourage someone instead of tearing them down. Right? That doesn't mean we back off of truth, but boy, we sure are called to love people. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So if you wouldn't mind, close, close your eyes. And if someone's already closing their eyes and snoring, you can wake them up and tell them to close their eyes for real. And just, uh, we like to do this just as we, we close my time with you before we, we sing. Um, I just want you to sit before the Lord. And, and um, the first is, do you know Jesus? I mean, really, really know him. That means you have believed in him, that he died for you, that he rose. I know many of us have, but maybe you haven't. Do you want a relationship with God? Do you want to be made holy? Only God, by his grace, will do that. Your efforts, as you already know, are not enough. You're invited in to trust what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Right now, just believe can't do it for you. I'm not going to try. Father, I pray for anyone who's in the room that's, that they're, that's their, their situation. I pray to show them deep inside their hearts that you're true and right and you love them. But their sin has to be dealt with. And Jesus, you died so that they not, might not. I pray you'd lead them to faith. The second is um, Where are you and me, as we sit before the Lord, where are we more torn by culture than God's character, if you're a Christian? Where's the line that previously we've just tried to say, I don't believe that, God, or I don't want to know about it, I just ignore that, pretend you didn't say that. Where are we being torn to be more like the people around us and less like God? We all have them. Just be honest, he knows anyway. Just confess even now. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal them to us. It's hard, Lord, for us. In our pride, we we want to hold on. I pray that you would give us a strength, the Holy Spirit to let go and say, I I just don't want that anymore. I want to be holy like you, God. I want to look more like you. I want to look more like you in how I do marriage, how I do relationships. 
think about sex, how I think about money, how I think about my time. I want to be reflect your character. God, help us, Lord, help us. And the third question is just this, and last one. How can you, in your specific context, and in my, in, in my context, how can you be a better neighbor, meaning reflecting God's character to those around you? Your context might be school, campus, work, home, some other hobby or community, or those places that you walk. How can you be a better neighbor than you have? Online, to people you don't know very well, to people you do, to people you don't like very much, to people you disagree with. How do you reflect God's character in a tangible way? What can you do? Father, I pray that you would give us very, very specific ways we can reflect who you are. We can reflect who you are. That you would put names across our mind, even people that bother us, people that would just rather weren't around us. Yet there they are. Break down our walls, Lord, of pride and self-righteousness. Help us to see what you, Jesus, you want us to see. They are our neighbor. That though we think differently than the, the culture and we look differently than the culture, may they see us as a huge blessing because we love them in Jesus. And it's in your precious and holy name, oh Lord Jesus, we praise you. All God's people said, Amen. Let's sing out to him. Let's sing.